My favorite All Saints Day story. A little girl was being shown around a big cathedral. She shared, stared at awe at the wonderful stained glass window. The street sun streamed through, bathing the cathedral floor in color. And she asked the tour guide, who are those people in the pretty window? Ah, those are the saints, he said. Later, at bedtime, the girl told her mother, I know who the saints are. Do you, dear, said mum. Who are they then? They're the people who let the light shine through. <laughs> I like that. We all need light to break into our lives, especially in these dark autumnal days. And with all the pandemic-related doom and gloom too. And despite another lockdown, we hold on to our Christian hope that in Christ, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Try to recall for a moment, someone who's helped to bring light into your world, either recently or a while ago. Someone who's been a saint for you. What was it about them that made a difference? I'd like you to hold on to that thought. Today, you see, we thank God for the good guys in the world. We remember all the saints in light that are cheering us on. And we consider what can we learn from them and how perhaps like them, we might let the light of Jesus shine through us. How through another looming lockdown, we can remain much needed beacons of love and joy and hope in the world. The trouble is the darkness can sometimes feel overwhelming and the lure of darkness can even be enticing at times. We can also become preoccupied with the bad guys, even if it's just criticizing them or, or blaming them. And even when we're not overwhelmed uh, by the darkness or we're not dwelling in the darkness, it can be human nature to find chinks in the armor of the good guys, cynically thinking that they must be too good to be true. And despite their goodness, we take a kind of perverse pleasure in pointing out their shortcomings. Today, I want us to consider how people of light are those who encourage others, not pull them down, who set them free even when imprisoned, people who enable others rather than discourage or hinder or ignore them. You see, I think there's a fine line between being the good guys and the bad guys. You see, our gospel lesson was part of Jesus's teaching in the temple. It was the last week before his crucifixion. And the Pharisees were portraying themselves as the good guys. But Jesus suggests otherwise. He says the scribes and the Pharisees were tying up heavy, cumbersome loads and putting them on people's shoulders. This was the opposite of the freedom and rest that Jesus was offering. To those who were weary and heavy laden, Jesus said, come to me and I will give you rest. But ironically, being burdened had almost become evidence of religious commitment. No wonder on the cross, Jesus took the burden upon his shoulders, all the weight that was pressing down on people, that they and we might be set free and discover lightness of spirit and life in all its fullness. Like the Old Testament prophets, Jesus was scathing 
about hypocritical leaders, those who don't practice what they preach, outwardly saying and doing all the good things, yet they weren't living justly, loving mercy or walking humbly. Their precious piety meant nothing to Jesus. How easily good religion can go bad. But Jesus declared everything the Pharisees do, they do so that people can see. And yet for our Lord, that's not what matters. It's what is done in private that matters most. That's what God sees. And so Jesus was disapproving that they loved the top positions and all the titles. He said they love the place of honour at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. And so Jesus said something quite radical. He encouraged his followers to refuse courtesy titles. They were to earn their respect by putting into practice the way of life of their teacher, Jesus. In a spiritual sense, you see, God alone is our father, of course. You don't need to demand an honorific title in the church. For your teacher, Jesus, used that designation for God alone. And the issue really was not really about the titles. It was one of humility. It was about what do we demand or expect from people? rather than any legalistic teaching about titles. It was the attitude of the people themselves. And having said that about the Pharisaic behavior, Jesus wasn't really addressing the Pharisees when he was teaching, it was these disciples. And what he was saying is, look, you are quick to criticize them, but I expect better of you. Watch out that you don't create unnecessary burdens for people. Because if we're not careful, it can become a pitfall of contemporary religion. We can be so quick to judge people when only God is our judge. We can so easily condemn rather than forgive. We can create boundaries rather than build community. We can make life difficult and tough for people rather than easy. We can exclude rather than embrace. Jesus wanted to save his followers from becoming dogmatic and authoritarian. He wanted them to possess humility and integrity. He wanted them to establish a servant-hearted church. And that's why right at the end, he says these words to his disciples, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then we have Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians, probably one of Paul's earliest letters, written about AD 50 to a small band of gentle convert, Gentile converts. And today's reading was written in the context of criticism that the apostles were receiving. Paul was defending the fact that he was working day and night. Paul was a tent maker. He earned his living that way. And he, he did that because he didn't want to be a sponger, basically. He didn't want to be a burden to the church. And so Paul and his companions supported themselves. They wanted to make life easier for other people. And so they worked blamelessly alongside the Thessalonians. 
and they shared the good news with them. And as they did so, their deeds were consistent with their words. They practiced what they preached and people came to the Lord. So Paul said that they were encouraging, comforting and urging them to live lives worthy of God, who calls them into his kingdom and glory. And he rejoiced that the Thessalonians were, like Paul, living lives that were worthy of God. And it was a cause of much thanksgiving to him. Why? Well, because the word was at work within them. It was the word that was transforming them and they were putting it into practice. I think of many people who have had a great influence on others. I mean, the Wesley brothers, for example, they influenced millions of people's lives, but they were first inspired by their mother, Susanna. She'd been influenced by her father, first of all, a Puritan minister. He used to read 20 chapters of the scripture a day to her. And then Susanna went on to marry Samuel Wesley, an Anglican priest. And she prayed that her life would count. Well, it did. (laughs) She had 19 children, although half of them died in infancy. Susanna was a strong lady, intelligent, good with money, methodical and spiritually disciplined. She was a devoted Christian. And she prayed for two hours a day for her children. I wonder how often we pray for those we want to influence. She struggled to find a secret place to spend time with the Lord. And she put her apron over her head, which meant that she was in prayer and she couldn't be disturbed. Susanna put her effort into educating and raising her children in the hope that one or two of them may change the world. Surprise, surprise, John and Charles went on to make a huge difference. So I wonder what sort of people we're seeking to be. We're presented with choices, really, to be discouraging bad guys or enabling good guys, to live in the darkness or the light. How will people remember us for our lies or our truth, our pride or our humility? our oppressive behaviour or the fact that we were liberating? Do they remember our power or our service, our importance or our modesty, whether we were unjust or just, hypocritical or authentic, sinners or saints? On this All Saints Day, remember this. The saints were often ordinary and sometimes complex folk, people who were far from perfect, yet despite all the legends that grew up about them, something shone through. St. Francis de Sales said these words, it's not those that commit the least faults who are the most holy, but those who have the greatest courage, the greatest generosity, the greatest love. It's not so much what the saints do for us that we celebrate today, but the way that they inspire us to do something beautiful for God, to relieve the burdens of others. Remember how today, how burdened people are feeling. How can we change that? Trouble is, if you're anything like me, you won't consider yourself to be very saintly. You may doubt that you can make a significant difference in the world. But maybe there are people who are praying for you. 
<laughs> your weaknesses, failures, and self-interest can be transformed by God. And remember the word saints was used by Paul as a descriptive term for all who were in Christ, just those who were set apart for him, not those who were perfect. So perhaps the saints are the down-to-earth good guys, authentic sisters and brothers in Christ who are responding to his teaching and seeking to live a life worthy of God. People through whom the light shines through as they seek to make a difference in the world, to be a blessing to others. So it's my prayer today that we may so abide in Christ and let his word dwell in us richly that others may be transformed, that people might discover, they discover a spring in their step and find their rhythm with the Lord of the dance. So my question today is, who will you bless today? How can you encourage, comfort and urge people to lead lives that are worthy of God? So that maybe in a future All Saints Day service, when the minister asks, who's been a saint for you? People may even thank God for you and for me, because through a lockdown, we were one of the good guys for the Lord. Amen.